0: once again everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Seabus Paranormal Parrotcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Robson, and on today's episode, we'll once again be exploring the paranormal happenings in the state of West Virginia. Our topic for this month's episode will be the Hempfield Tunnel, based out of Wheeling, West Virginia. Some of you guys may also know this infamous tunnel under a different name, Tunnel Green. The Hempfield Tunnel is a location that I've had my eye on for a few years now. I was finally able to visit the location in August of last year. Unfortunately, this would only be a brief visit as I had a schedule to keep for the weekend. However, I was able to spend a little time at the location to get a feel for it, and also run a little bit of audio and video. On today's episode, I'll be sharing my experiences from my visit, the tunnel's history, and of course, its ghost stories. This investigation of the Hempfield Tunnel would be at the start of an extremely long weekend. And this episode will also be a bit of a precursor into next month's episode, the West Virginia State Penitentiary. Not only did I visit the Hempfield Tunnel, but I also met up with Jeff Cole to sign some books at the West Virginia Penitentiary Paracon, and we also both participated in their public ghost hunt that same night. But we'll get into all of those details next month. Before we begin, I would like to remind everybody that we do have a second show currently on Patreon called Legends and Lore. For a small monthly donation, you can access a few exclusive episodes of the new show, and also have access to other various exclusive content. Your donations, interest, and support helps to keep the Paracast going, and I'm certainly thankful for those of you that have helped contribute to the cause so far. The Legends and Lore series debuted with the Fairhaven Monster episode in December, and we recently aired an episode on Squire's Castle earlier this month. Our next episode, The Cedar Bog Monster, will be available on April 1st of 2023. For more information, visit our page at patreon.com slash or visit our Patreon link on cbusparanormal.com. With that being said, let's get to it and start exploring the ghostly legends of the Hempfield Tunnel. When the topic of haunted train tunnels comes up in Ohio, nearly everyone will mention the popular Moonville Tunnel. In West Virginia, they have several to pick from. (laughs) However, the Hempfield Tunnel in Wheeling certainly seems to have its own unique aura, reputation, and charm. And if for some reason you didn't know the tunnel had a reputation for being haunted, well, their welcome sign will certainly inform you about it upon your arrival. I'll just read from their welcome sign to give you an idea. The Hempfield Tunnel is said to be haunted. The Intelligencer in July 1869 stated that three ghost sightings were confirmed. In July 1874, New York journalists claimed to have seen an apparition in a tunnel. Ghosts have been seen hanging from the roof of the tunnel, and others swear they've seen a ghost floating above the tracks. Some blame the haunting on the fact that a graveyard was unearthed and reportedly robbed during construction of the tunnel. P.S. Welcome to Wheeling, West Virginia. (laughs) Okay, I am proud of that last part. In 1810, the town of Wheeling was growing at a rapid rate, and there was a need for a new cemetery in the area. A local family deeded some of their land to the mayor in order for the town to designate a cemetery. The cemetery in question would later become known as the Peninsula Cemetery, and it was located on the top of a steep hill. The community would end up using this deeded land as a cemetery for over 35 years. Apparently in the 1850s there was a need to expand the railroad line it was decided that a train tunnel would be built directly under the site of the cemetery. Yeah. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this one. Naturally, the city didn't leave the graves undisturbed, and it stated that a local man was hired to exhume the bodies and relocate them to two other local nearby cemeteries. Most historic accounts indicate that the man got most of them, which means there are still likely unmarked graves sitting on top of what is now known as the Hempfield Tunnel. It's believed that the spirits of the deceased Wheeling residents are the cause of some of the Hempfield Tunnel's claims of paranormal haunting. Visitors have claimed to hear disembodied voices, get strange feelings, and see shadow figures within the tunnel itself. To make matters even more disturbing, tourists and visitors have noticed what they consider to be a green slime and ooze dripping from the top of the tunnel itself. (laughs) Delightful. Throughout the tunnel's history, there are rumors and stories of a few gentlemen that were possibly hit by oncoming trains during its use. If true, that could also add to the speculations and stories of the tunnel possibly being haunted. The Hempfield Tunnel was first built between 1850 to 1857 by the Hempfield Railroad Company for the purpose of connecting Wheeling to Greensburg, Pennsylvania by rail. A plaque in the tunnel also indicates it was rebuilt in 1904. Ten years after the tunnel was opened, a tragic event would further the local claims of an alleged haunting. On June 29, 1867, newspaper accounts indicate that a grisly murder by a German immigrant named Joseph Asili, who went by his alias John Schaefer, occurred at the tunnel. His victim, Alois Ulrich, was murdered with a hatchet before his body was dumped into a culvert near the northeast exit of the tunnel. Apparently, Asili also murdered two other men, was dubbed a hatchet slayer, and was the last person to be executed by hanging in Wood County. It's now believed that Ulrich, his victim, may now be one of the tunnel's infamous ghosts. The following article is from the Wheeling Daily Intelligencer, July 19, 1869. And be forewarned, it's a long one. <laughs> the Hempfield Ghost, An Appalling Mystery, The Tunnel Haunted, The Ghost of a Murdered Man Appears. Since the last annual visit of the East Wheeling Spirit, no spooks have walked above ground in this vicinity for several years, and the minds of our citizens have begun to run an even tenor of their ways on this question, some even being so skeptical to doubt the very presence of spirits of dead men on this terrestrial ball. Frightful revelations of a party of eyewitnesses of the scene we're about to describe dispelled those dreams of security and caused many to quake and their guilty conscience to tremble. The witnesses themselves have been in such state of terror and dismay since the occurrence that it's been with great difficulty that we could gather the real facts in this case. Their rolling eyes and chattering teeth, their continuances giving evidence of the truth of their asseverations, but preventing a connected repetition of the events as they occurred, the disconnected sentences and the ejaculations of horror, <laughs> which have been repeated as coming from their blanched and quivering lips, we feel convinced have been altered and exaggerated so that the accounts which prevailed yesterday in the city were totally incorrect. In fact, were garbled versions of the affair. Okay. We're gonna stop there. <laughs> I'm sorry. If a metal band hasn't claimed the name, the ejaculations of horror by now, someone should take it immediately. <laughs> the author of this article is rather descriptive, and they use some challenging old-timey words as well. So I'll do the best that I can to do it justice. It seems the writer blames the witnesses' pure terror for the reason that their stories appear to be incoherent and inconsistent, and now their story is being spread by the community as garbled versions of the events as they transpired. So let's continue. The tunnel of the Hempfield Railroad has long been notorious as the scene of some of the most horrible murders which have been chronicled in the annuals of our newspaper, and in the criminal records of our country. Its situation is well known to most of our readers, but for the enlightenment of those who have not visited it, we will give a brief description which the new interest awakened by the events of Thursday will sanction. The tunnel enters a hillside at the distance of about 40 feet from the bridge over Wheeling Creek, behind the hill which forms the background to our thriving and prosperous city. It immediately enters a bed of rock and coal, which if the darkness occasioned by exclusion of the sun's rays were not sufficient to render it gloomy and dismal, would of itself have that effect. Its sides and ceiling are covered with dampness and moisture. Directly overhead is Peninsula Cemetery, so that the green and poisonous slime which oozes from the fissures and crevices of the overhanging rock with but little effort of the imagination may be attributed to the graves and coffins of the dead who lie motoring above. At the mouth of the tunnel is a sequestered spot known as Barry's Hole. Its name is sufficient as its records show to be a watery grave of many poor fellows. In the memory of many of our readers, the history of Schaeffer, the bloodthirsty and brutal murderer who exploited his victims on the scaffold at Parkersburg, is still fresh. The slaughter of his victims took place in a tunnel as well known, and is supposed to have immediate reference to the appearance of the ghost last week. The murdered man entered the tunnel when he was attacked by Schaeffer with a hatchet. Unarmed and inoffensive, the victim was dealt a ferocious blow on the temple. Holding his supplicating hands before his face, he received the second blow upon the arms and fingers. The deed having been accomplished, the victim was dragged and concealed in a culvert near the east mouth of the tunnel, where it was afterwards discovered. Other deeds of this kind are too well known to bear repetition, so it has been an increasing wonder that the scene of so many horrible crimes has not been continually haunted by the spirits of the murdered men. The place is therefore a most fitting one for the scene that transpired on Tuesday. Alright, so let's summarize that last part. The writer mentions some of the popular topics of haunting that are still mentioned today. The hatchet murder, the green oozing slime, the mention of a spot named Barry's Hole, which also appears to be a watery grave of note, and he tops it off by mentioning the tunnel and the surrounding area has seen many horrible crimes, but fails to add those gruesome details. Let's continue further. Thursday evening, about 6 o'clock, a party of four men were proceeding through the tunnel on their way to the country beyond. Having spent the day in Wheeling and imbibed the usual amount of fusel oil, they were rather hilarious than otherwise, though none of them were sufficiently under the influence of liquor to be unable to accurately perceive anything that transpired. The subject of reappearance of spirits after death had been mooted, but was scoffed and laughed at more in a tone of bravado than real conviction. The topic was still under consideration while they were in a tunnel. But no sooner had they reached the point where the light of the outer world becomes dim and obscure than the ominous silence fell upon all and every one of them. The darkness of the cavern had settled into an appalling gloom, but still they held their way. Soon groans and supplications for mercy fell upon their startled ears. The usual cavernous echo was duly apparent, as the tone of the voice was unnatural and spectral. The men stood transfixed with horror and fright. The atmosphere was close and stilling. All at once, issuing from a solid rock form which forms from the ceiling, directly over the spot where the murderer slaughtered his victim, a ghastly form appeared. All around, as we have said, was impenetrable darkness, but the specter itself was clearly visible as in the noonday. It descended feet first until it reached a place about equal distance from the door and the ceiling of the tunnel, where it stopped and remained for a few seconds. Although covered with the slime and earth of the grave, The features of the ghastly specter were distinctly visible, clad in the habiliments of the tomb. Its appearance was horrible in the extreme, with one arm extended and the bloody fingers of the hand hanging half-severed from their stems. With the forefinger of the other hand, it pointed to a gaping wound in his temple. The wound seemed fresh, but the drops of blood seemed clotted and stood out in bold relief on the face of the ill-starred wretch. Without a movement of the lips, a voice apparently issued from the throat of the ghost explained in a tone so unnatural as to be totally indescribable, let the dead rest. The horror stricken witnesses of this appalling spectacle rushed from the scene. <laughs> At the mouth of the tunnel they met other parties whose credulity was not sufficient to believe the story of the witnesses. They therefore obtained a lantern and returned to the same spot where the apparition was first seen. They were not long waiting when the spirit in the same place repeated the words he had used before in, if possible, a more horrifying tone, and glided rapidly through the air toward the western mouth of the tunnel. The individuals thus made sure of the authenticity of the apparition were deprived of the power of speech for some hours, and even after the intervention of days, their fearful recollections are so vivid as to remember them almost afraid of speaking to the subject. So, long story short, four gentlemen who may or may not have been drunk believe they saw a ghost while walking through the dark tunnel. Unlike today, the tunnel wasn't lit, so any walks through it would have been extra intimidating and could have played on their imaginations a bit. What's interesting is that the ghost they saw seems to be that of the previously murdered Ulrich by the detailed description of the ghost wounds. The same article goes on to describe a second, though undated, account of another man witnessing an apparition that appeared to play out the scene of Ulrich's murder. I'll continue from the same article. A Second Appearance The persons who witnessed this appalling spectacle in a tunnel being men of respectable and truthful characters, their statement created a widespread and profound sensation in the eastern part of the city where they reside. This was intensified by the facts which were disclosed yesterday morning by a gentleman who lives a couple of miles east of the city and which are related as follows. He was coming into the city afoot by the way of railroad. Late in the evening he was approaching the tunnel in the east and noticed a couple of persons walking about a hundred yards ahead. He was a short distance this side of the schoolhouse, walking on the track and looking down to guard his steps, when he suddenly felt a strange shiver and sensation of horror, and looking up he saw a man standing a few yards ahead, directly above the stone culvert where Albert's body was hidden. His arms were held up above his head as if guarding against apprehended blows, and the blood was streaming down his face and neck. There was an awful stony glare in the eyes, which rooted the beholder to the ground. His first thought was that it was one of the men who had been walking ahead of him and assaulted the other. Before he had time to follow out the thought, he glanced past the horrid spectacle and saw the two men just about to pass into the tunnel. At that instant, the man, specter, or whatever it was, vanished and was nowhere to be seen. Utterly confounded, the frightened and horror-struck beholder stood gazing at the vacant air trying to comprehend what he had just seen. In a moment or two, he had recovered sufficiently to think connectedly. He looked carefully around. Nothing whatsoever was to be seen, though it was still light enough to see objects with perfect distinctness. He says he thought at one moment of running forward and telling the men who were ahead of him and asking if they had seen anything. He reflected that of course the apparition was not there when they passed, and remembered that he had been looking forward over the very spot where it stood, and the alternations between looking ahead and down at the track. Besides, he felt for sure he would be ridiculed and called a fool for his fright. He found it impossible, however, to go forward over the spot, and turning about, he returned home. Yesterday morning he came into the city by Pike, and hearing of the appearance in a tunnel, told one or two of his friends in confidence what he had witnessed. He is an intelligent person and not given credulity, but expresses himself unable to explain the mystery. His account of the appearance of the apparition corresponds substantially with that of the murdered man Ulrich. Since these terrifying events have been made public, Hints are thrown out that this is not the first blood-chilling sights that have been seen and strange sounds heard in and about the tunnel, generally about dark in the evening, but at least once in the middle of the day. Many dark rumors are afloat that don't seem to be worth repeating. We give the leading circumstances as they related to us and leave our readers to judge for themselves of their probability. All right, so that's the end of the novel. Uh, I mean, newspaper clipping from 1867. These first-hand accounts are extremely interesting, and were one of the reasons why I was drawn into covering this case and episode. This tunnel has been rumored to have been haunted for over 155 years now. That, in its own right, is truly fascinating. Is it true? Is the spirit of Lois Aurek still haunting the location of his murder? And why does it present itself in this way? Perhaps we'll never know the exact reason, but it does seem like he can't come to terms with what happened to him. Oddly enough, Assili became known as the Hatchet Slayer and author. Before his execution he wrote a book, The Life and Times of Joseph Assili, alias John Schaefer, Parkersburg murderer, published for the benefit of his wife and child. This book would describe his murder spree and himself in great detail. That being said, it's time for a short commercial break. Once I return, we'll conclude this month's discussion on the Hempfield Tunnel. Paranormal investigators, it's a new year, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning for your upcoming investigations and to also stock up on new ghost hunting devices. Thankfully, Ghost Stop has you covered. Ghost Stop has everything you need to advance your team's research and theories. They have digital recorders, camcorders, thermal imagers, EMF devices, laser grids, and much, much more. If you need it, they likely have it. Our team has used several GoStop products over the years. Click the GoStop link on this episode's information panel or on our website at cbusparanormal.com and you can browse through their extensive catalog and place your order today. By using the show's affiliate link on our player and website, you'll also be supporting our show. And this lets GoStop know that we sent you. GoStop. Paranormal equipment made by investigators for investigators. Are you interested in starting your own podcast, but not sure how to get started? Perhaps it's time to look to Buzzsprout for some direction. Buzzsprout has helped over 100,000 podcasters get their projects off the ground, and they can help you get your podcast listed on every major podcasting platform. They also have several guides to help you navigate through the process of recording and finding the right equipment to use. With Buzzsprout, you'll get a podcasting website, audio players, and detailed analytics to see how people are listening to your show. It will also provide you with the necessary tools to promote your episodes. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout wants to see you succeed. Click our Buzzsprout affiliate link on this media player's information panel to start your journey into podcasting. It lets Buzzsprout know that we sent you, and you'll receive a $20 credit if you sign up for one of their paid hosting plans after your second paid invoice. Buzzsprout, let's create something great, together. Welcome back. My investigation into the Hempfield Tunnel actually started long before I visited the location. The first thing I did was hit the newspaper archives to see what I could find, and to see if any of the stories being passed around had any truth to them. In the process, I was able to find an article mentioning the removal of graves at the old Peninsula Cemetery, so this does check out with the stories that have been told. There were also several mentions of Ulrich and his murder, but I wasn't able to find any information of individuals being hit by a train at the tunnel itself. These events still may have happened, however. Keep in mind that some of the old newspaper articles weren't as accurate or detailed as with some of today's crimes and events. And well, some of them have been lost to history. So it is possible, and highly probable. I did find at least one other incident where a passenger was injured falling off the Hempfield Bridge while attempting to board a train at the tunnel. There were also a few articles talking about workers that had fell off the bridge while they were working, and tragically, I also found an article about one local resident that apparently drowned herself in a Wheeling Creek by the bridge. Speaking of the creek, I do want to take a second to talk about a location we discussed in a previous newspaper article. Barry's Hole. I'll be honest, not being a local resident, I had never heard of this location. But it's a deep spot in Wheeling Creek near the train tunnel that the kids would frequently swim in. Unfortunately, several of these kids didn't make it back out and drowned in the creek. I was able to find several newspaper articles discussing the various deaths that occurred there over several decades, and the numbers are honestly pretty staggering. Some of these incidents were extremely heartbreaking, and sadly this could also account for some of the hauntings in the area. I'm not sure why residents didn't take precautions sooner, but it seems like a lot of these deaths could have been avoided. The spot's tragic history was extremely well known to the community, and unfortunately led to several watery graves. On top of what I've previously mentioned, I was able to find a newspaper article discussing a shooting at the bridge in 1883, when a drunken hunter randomly took aim at an individual he didn't know and shot him in the arm. When the man asked why he did that, the drunk yelled back, Go on, damn you, before I blow your brains out. <laughs> so apparently just walking through the tunnel on some days could put you in the line of fire. Literally. Literally. <laughs> Unfortunately, afterwards, the man reloaded the gun and threatened two children under the age of 12 asking for money and threatened to do the same to them. Thankfully, the kids were able to escape the man before the incident escalated into something worse. So let's just say the area has a colorful and extremely tragic history, especially in the mid to late 1800s. Today, the Hempfield Tunnel is part of the Tunnel Green Park System, with various biking and hiking trails nearby. From the reports I've read online, the area is still pretty rough, in a slightly different way in today's environment. Wheeling's homeless population was temporarily a problem at the park, and would oftentimes leave clothes and trash in the area surrounding the tunnel, which of course is a bit of a deterrent for prospective visitors and tourists. i also seen mentions of visitors recommending people to visit the area with friends if you intend to visit the tunnel. So just some things to keep in mind if you'd like to visit the tunnel someday. Knowing the situation going in, I decided to visit the location during the afternoon hours, and I traveled fairly lightly with safety precautions just in case. At first, I traveled through a ton of construction, got slightly lost because of said construction, and eventually found myself parked between a fairly busy dog park and a baseball field. The GPS said I arrived at my location, but there wasn't a tunnel or sign in sight. So after a few minutes of surveying the situation, I noticed a small path that appeared to go past the baseball field. There wasn't a sign or anything to mark where I should go, but I knew this had to be the place. After a fairly short walk, I went up some stairs, and I immediately seen the awesome viaduct, creek, and the tunnel itself. Upon walking closer to the tunnel, the previously mentioned history and hunting welcome sign came into view. The area itself was fairly empty, but I did occasionally see a few bikers and runners during my visit. Naturally, the air in a tunnel was cooler as expected, and a slight moisture ooze seeped from the ceiling. The railroad tracks themselves have been removed over the years, and one side of the tunnel was paved for the local bike path. As with most allegedly haunted train tunnels, the walls were covered in graffiti, and there was even one of a ghost. <laughs> it was kind of amusing, but I wanted to see if I could get any sort of evidence of an actual paranormal happening occurring at the tunnel. Overall, I was actually impressed. I think the city's making efforts to make this location more of an attraction. I didn't see anything I'd consider as abnormal, and I enjoyed my time there. As always, just be respectful of the environment and people in public places, and keep your guard up when you hear rumors about certain locations. I think the area was fairly busy on the day I went, but I'm sure there are times where there might not be as much foot traffic. The tunnel slime was obviously just moisture, but I do find it amusing that people relate it to decaying sludge. (laughs) It does give the tunnel a bit of an extra creepy flair, though, I must admit. So is the Hempfield Tunnel actually haunted? Honestly, I think there might be something to it, but I'm still highly skeptical. There have been a few reports over the years of witnesses claiming they've seen something they couldn't explain there, but of course, there have been several people that have went there and experienced nothing. Signs of an alleged haunting don't happen on command, and they seem to be able to occur at any time, day or night. In this case, the area has a history of real tragic events and even a violent murder. Who is to say that the energy or reverberations from those tragic events still don't persist at the tunnel to this day? Unfortunately, I found that running audio at this location is extremely challenging. The tunnel was right by a busy highway, so obviously background noise was a major issue. There were a few times during my audio review that I thought I might have something, but the background noise was so bad it contaminated the possible audio hits to the point that I couldn't be sure of what I was hearing. So at this time, as frustrating as it may be, I'd have to rule my audio files as inconclusive for this investigation. Unfortunately, there also wasn't anything to report from a visual sighting perspective. I would have loved to have had an experience similar to what was reported in those old-time newspapers, but alas, it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> Crime scenes have always interested me in a paranormal sense. When you go into a location and know what happened there, your brain has already playing those thoughts in your head and already influencing the situation. Unlike legends, crime scenes provide undeniable truth of the incidents that occurred there. I try to remain calm and ask my questions respectfully, hoping to get a possible response from Ulrich. I wouldn't doubt that there is still something lurking in this area, but I want to spend more time at the location to make a full determination for myself. At this time, I still consider this case a work in progress, and I hope to return sometime at a later date to follow up and give it another go. That concludes this month's episode of the Seabus Paranormal Paracast. I hope that all of you enjoyed learning the haunting history of the Hempfield Tunnel. As I previously mentioned, next month's episode will be on the West Virginia State Penitentiary, so I'll be taking time to discuss the penitentiary's paracon, public investigation, and also some other shenanigans we were able to get into while we were in Moundsville. It had been 10 years since our first investigation of the prison in 2011, and it was certainly fun to revisit it for old times' sake. As always, please remember to add us on social media or visit cbusparanormal.com for the latest updates on our team and the Paracast. Thank you all once again for listening, and we'll meet again next month.